Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert Experts on Expert. I'm Mike Douglas, and I'm joined by Catherine Hepburn. Hello. Do you do a Catherine Hepburn? Mm, yeah, it's, it's the one I too. do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But I was Audrey Hepburn for Halloween once. You were. Mm -hmm. Did you work on any voice vo vocal training to? Or you just look like her. You didn't attempt yeah. to sound like her. It's one of those weird things when you're a minority. Yeah. <laughs> You were kind of going in white face, is that what you're saying? I didn't. And you always feel so obviously not the person because yeah. you're a different color. Mm. It's hard to get over. Although the cast of Hamilton, they did not let that stand in their way. But they own those roles. Everyone's doing it, though. Mm -hmm. And it's when, you're, when you stand out as a brown Audrey Hepburn. Would it help if <laughs> I went? No. Hold on. You haven't heard my I'm, pitch. I know, but I'm scared. So if we could think of a famous movie. Okay where there was a white woman mm -hmm. starring opposite either uh, Indian person. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I will go as the Indian and you will go as the white person. And then you'll have a comrade, but I won't go in brown face, of course, because that would end both oh, of our careers. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're just gonna, I I'll see. I'll be a companion. I'll be playing the wrong race and you'll be playing the wrong race. <laughs> okay, that so, would help. Okay. How many? There's so many, Not so many really. to choose from. Like what? No, I know. <laughs> exactly. Probably go black, to be honest. It'd be a white woman and a black lead male would be most easy for us to pull from. We're so off track. Listen, <laughs> this one's really fun for me. Yes. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's it's going to file into the category of the Lane Nortons. And a couple of these people mm. I've had in where you kind of thought, well, this is going to be boring. A hundred percent. hundred P. When I see on the list, well, by the way, because this came to us a little bit backdoor uh -huh. because you have a personal relationship with this person. So it yes. wasn't like he was pitched in the same way. You were just like, hey, we're going to have this person yeah, on. P.S. Jim's stopping by yeah. and we're going to interview him. Yeah, next. He's like, on this crazy road Jim, trip in a Ford Lightning. Jim, the Ford guy. Ford CEO. Yeah. And I love him. I'm so glad that that was the result. And I'm not shocked because he's such a sweet, wonderful he's guy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. But you kind of thought, oh, cars, here we go. Yeah. Rum, rum, rum. Pistons, <laughs> cylinders, timing chains. Yeah, and we talk about it. We talk about the stereotype mm -hmm. in this episode. Yeah, and he's very, I feel like, especially for a big three CEO, he has his ear to the street everywhere. He knows what people think. He knows mm -hmm. what hurdles there are. Yeah. He's an incredible dude. So Jim Farley, and yes, this is such a fun tidbit. He is Chris Farley's cousin yes. and has some incredible Chris Farley stories, as you might expect. Yeah. At any rate, as I remind you, he is the CEO of Ford and a board member of Harley Davidson. This dude is such an authentic car guy. What he left and went and did was announce the new Mustang GTD that's going to have a 800 horsepower, wow. a transaxle, so 50-50 balance. This thing's going to be a track weapon. <laughs> this is what I was afraid of. And he has since challenged all other CEOs to race him in any of their best cars on the track. Open challenge to wow. all other auto manufacturer CEOs. It's hysterical and adorable. Okay, we love Jim. Please enjoy Jim Farley. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. 
Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. He's an Monica, do you see the resemblance? Stare at Jim. I don't think she knows. Oh, okay. So let just stare no at Jim for a second. Do you see a resemblance with anyone? I'll give you I'm a hint. Scared. Fat guy. In okay. The well, I mean, I know the guy. I know the last name. Yes. <laughs> really? But it's so uncanny right now. <laughs> I would never have made that assumption. But wow. Now they. I've said that though. Look for it. It's very much there. <laughs> but what's the exact? They're cousins. First cousins. cousins. Yeah. Our fathers were brothers. And were you guys close? Chris was much younger than me. And I was the only Farley that lived on the West Coast. I went to UCLA graduate school and I worked at Toyota. Like four of us founded Lexus. My wife was an actress. Every time he film out here, he'd stay with me. Wow. And then I got to a point where I hired his high school friends okay. because I couldn't trust the Hollywood people. Uh -huh. yeah. Nothing against it, but no, go they ahead. were like, just give him stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would take the stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were the high school friends any help? It was amazing. They totally turned him around. It yeah. took two years. It was expensive, but you know, it saved his life for a while. Yeah. And then I got transferred to head Toyota of Europe, which was my big break in the car business. I mean, I was no one. I was going to Leno and I worked in a car restoration shop in Santa Monica to put myself through graduate school. So I love cars, but I wasn't an executive or anything like that. Then I moved away and I got a huge break to start Toyota of Europe. Moved to Belgium and I married my wife and we've been dating for like 20 years. So it was a wow. big deal. And he died like two months later, no one there. And I'm so mad because I know he would be so great with my kids. Yeah. Anyways, it's really nice to be back here getting stuck in traffic because I can remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh so my gosh. weirdly you're born, I imagine, and brought home from the hospital in Buenos Aires. Yes. Your dad, although brothers with Chris's dad. Yeah, he was born in Chicago and grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Then my dad was very typical of World War II. He went to college on the GI Bill and learned how to speak Spanish. And he got a really good job with this First National City Bank. It's now Citibank. They said, we'd like to start up uh, overseas operations in Argentina. Yeah. And he was like 30 years old. And he's like, okay. You weren't born No, yet. he lived there for 20 years. Oh my goodness. All my family was born there. So he's a Wisconsin kid. First time I went to America, I went to a Packers game. I was eight years old and we flew up to Chicago, the Packers game, and then flew back to Buenos Aires. No, oh yeah. my that was your first trip. So I imagine you have dual citizenship. We decided not to do that because in Argentina, like a lot of countries like Israel, there's mandatory military service. Uh, yes. And if I had dual citizenship and I got called up during the Falcon Wars and I didn't serve, uh -huh. so I couldn't go back until I became like an executive vice president at Ford. <laughs> the lawyers made it all go away. <laughs> so, they waved their wand. Yeah. How old were you? Eight. We went to Montreal, which was a total culture shock from Argentina. Yeah. It's like elbows, really dirty hockey. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we moved to Connecticut then after that. But both those cities, legendary world cities. Yes. Montreal is supposed to be the sexiest city in Canada. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. everyone loves it. And then Buenos Aires is incredible, it right? Is. Yes. So these are incredible places to have stopped yeah, down just, for a while. I was lucky. 
I just got exposed to those things. And then we moved to Connecticut and I went to high school in Rhode Island and then college at Georgetown in DC and worked on the Hill and then got a job at IBM, which I did not like. And then I wanted to get on the West Coast so bad. Obviously you speak Spanish. Swear words and (laughs) and beer and all that stuff. Argentina was a really different place. It is in the 70s? No, 60s. I remember going to school on a donkey cart. I remember going to Las Pampas. I had my mate cup and they don't throw lassos. They trip the animal up on their legs. It's a cowboy place actually. And all they eat is beef. Like you go to Asado, like a barbecue there. And it's like just a whole animal. Whoa. And like, you want some liver or heart? Uh, or, oh, wow. Would you like some? It's all no a card on the organs. Yes. No vegetables. <laughs> okay. They love their beef there. I've heard uh, that. Yeah, I hear it's, it's really like the best too. beef it in is. the world. Is totally natural. I had a pretty odd upbringing. And what were you aspiring to be as a kid? What did you fantasize about being? Not the CEO of Ford. No. Well, I got my Schwinn Stingray. That was like the big moment. Like I got independence. Freedom. And then in our town in Connecticut was the Ferrari distributorship of the United States, Luigi Canetti. And I used to get my money on the weekend from delivering the paper. And then I would go downtown buy candy. And then I'd go for the mechanics. And on Saturday, I would sit there with all the mechanics in the garage below the showroom and they would show me all the racing Ferraris from oh. around the world and the show cars. So I think I wanted to be a mechanic maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like I just wanted to work on cars. My dad was a banker and I'd watch NASCAR and he'd be like, turn that crap off. Uh-huh. My son isn't watching NASCAR. But it was like <laughs> the so only racing funny. you could find. You know, I collect a road and track and I wanted to be around cars. That's I, all I care about. You know, I really relate. You interviewed me on your podcast, I Drive. Yeah, yes. yeah. Thank you. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, we both share that. I used we to do. go, there was an engineer in my neighborhood. He worked in the Corvette group. And so he had all the competitor vehicles wow. in their fleet. So I would go hang out in front of this guy's driveway and there'd be like Lotus Esprit, Ferrari 308s, Lamborghini Countach. In his garage, he had two 250 GP bikes. He raced wow. motorcycles. A year or two after me staring at this guy's garage, my mom says, I want to take you to dinner at a guy's house I'm dating. I met him at work. We drive over to that house. No way. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's crazy. She marries that dude. I won't say that that was a blast. It was more fun to look at the shit from outside, (laughs) but I got to ride in the Lamborghini Countach. I got to ride in an 84 vet in 82. What year would the 1984. That was crazy. 5,000S, yeah. The Corvette was coming out in 84, but in 83, we got a ride. He brought one home from work in the dashboard with the digital. I was like, this is the future. (laughs) We're here. Making 225 horsepower or whatever that thing made. That's amazing. You're like ground zero for the car business. Yeah. So at that time, we were in Highland, but then I lived in Milford, and my mom worked at the Proving Grounds. And yeah, so my whole life, my dad sold cars. So you and I relate deeply on this. And I'll say, I'm going to jump right to it, but we're going to go back to your journey to CEO. But that's part of my deep heartbreak is all I've wanted since I was a kid were race motorcycles and exotic cars. I have only built this career so that I could buy those things. I mean, that's the only reason I did this. And now I'm here and there's global warming. And now I feel terrible about having a car that gets sick. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Well, there's a solution to all that. And that is you have to race. 
Because no one gets mad at you for racing on a racetrack, and you can enjoy all the same stuff. <laughs> I did race in the Super Trofeo series. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and there then you go. I, I'm on the track with the He's motorcycles not to nonstop. Do that anymore. Oh, why? Why? You got injured too that many That was on times. the motorcycle, still, and it was only one time. Still. After 15 years of track days, I had one accident. Well, and then on your bike. That was coming to this job. Should I, I not do this job? Yeah. <laughs> you have to quit everything. I saw your cars on the driveway. You're <laughs> hardcore. That Raptor R, you're not like, okay, it's okay from Ford, but I want to do a bunch of other stuff to it. Well, let me first thank oh, you yeah. publicly. So I have to tell everyone. So I did your podcast, and you're lovely. And then we started an email correspondence. Yes which I cherished. And then I immediately abused this friendship and asked oh. you, would it be possible to get on the list for the Raptor oh, R? I exploited the yes, for that. I oh. exploited this new friendship and I think I owned it. This is maybe not cool. I wish but. I could exploit it, but I don't think I can drive a car like that. You what love are you cars? driving? A Mercedes. Mercedes. Well, not be more just specific. a Mercedes. AMG. The AMG 43. C43. C43. Nice. Well, it was a gift from him. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> See, you know, I totally relate. My dad's 70th birthday, not a car person at all. Dad, I bought you a 1953 Woody Buick station wagon. And he's like, oh my God, that's so amazing. That's great. And then he sold it a year later. Oh, no. <laughs> like at Bear Jackson. Like I found, oh. I, I'm, watching, I'm watching the TV and I'm like, Oh my God, I call my dad, I go, Dad, there's a car just like yours. It's the same color. He goes, yeah, I know, I sold that damn thing. Oh, I was like, you mean you sold it at an auction? I gave it to you for your 70th birthday. He goes, I know, it was just difficult. I was like, but it was a gift from your son, a loving gift. He's like, yeah, I know, I sold it. Oh my God, that's amazing. Because as car people, we want to indulge even gift giving is a chance to show what we like. What happened was, and I need you to know, she owns the house across the street from ours. Okay, so during this period, I end up driving her late modeled Prius home from some place. <laughs> and I'm at a stoplight and it's so noisy inside this car. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing in this it's car? It's a great She's car. just in it because she doesn't know. Right. And so that year for a bonus for the show, yeah. uh, Christmas time, I got her that car. Makes perfect sense. And it did work though, right? You did immediately yeah, go like, it. okay, I get it. This is an entirely different experience. Yes. But it did take me three days to even drive it home because I was afraid <laughs> to drive it. You were scared that would happen, yeah. And I should have because now today, currently it's in the shop because I've but that's broken three the years front later. of it. You ripped the front off pulling out of her parking spot. That's no big deal. That bumper's going to slide right back on. That's no whoop. I don't deserve it. But what you want to give people really is the thrill and excitement and passion that you experience, which is probably a fool's errand. Like you're not yes. going to be able to get people to buy in yes. the same way you, you and I do. Yes. But that's what you want for the people. You mm -hmm. want your dad to walk out there and go like, look at this thing. Boy, oh, you're the greatest time capsule. He must have scoured the, the entire internet for yeah, this yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, did he take a bath on it when it got auctioned? No, he made money. Okay. We can justify a lot of crazy stuff if we make money when we flip the car. Yes. My problem is I don't ever sell anything. You don't? <laughs> no. Do you sell and, a lot of stuff? I have a rule. The rule is if you don't drive it in six months, you have to sell it. Oh. Irregardless. Now, I don't want to have like 20 cars because I've gotten up to stuff like that. I found myself violating the basics of our marriage when I would come home. My wife's like, what's that? I was like, <laughs> I'm holding it for a friend. <laughs> I would come up with all these like 
kind of white lies. And at first she was like expecting me to be honest. So she's like, oh, which friend? I'm like, um. Then I was like, no, this is not going to work. And then I've owned so many cars I've always wanted that I got down to the cars I really love. I really can't sell any of the ones I have. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. I've asked a few different car collectors this question. Do you have nightmares where in your dream you're like, I know I have an 86 Mustang somewhere. Where the fuck is that car? I thought I parked these in this lot. I'm regularly having these nightmares where I've misplaced some cars I bought and I'm so ashamed. Like, where are these things? Do you ever have those dreams? Yes. Oh my God. That is the weirdest thing. I've never gotten that question before. I have this dream that I own a broken down garage somewhere. I don't know where it is. Yes. And I actually put cars there several years ago. Yep. I have a dream. This I'm like, oh my God, look at that Corvair Monza. That's really cool. <laughs> yes. I got to go. And then I wake up and I'm like, yeah. do I own those? Jim, it's the same dream. That my, is my, The so garage weird. is the same in my dream too. I've bought a home specifically just because the garage was so enormous and I can't remember where the home is. And then every time I go there, I'm like, when are we redoing this? Where are the cars? I know I've bought so many cars that are gone. That is crazy you just said that. Uh, I've uh, never uh, talked to another human being on the planet that had that experience. Start asking your friends who oh, collect cars if they have it. Is it a guilt dream? Well, I think it's, I feel the stress <laughs> of owning too many cars. Like you walk through my driveway and I'm humiliated. Like the Lincoln's dirty, the battery's dead. The Roadmaster needs a piece of paneling. You know, like I can tell yeah. you everything that these cars need. So I have this kind of baseline anxiety that I'm not maintaining or keeping up with the shit I already own, not even getting into the fact of how often am I driving it. That's a whole separate thing. And then you'll occasionally think about your insurance bill. That's not a great place to spend time. So I think just it comes out in your sleep. I'm being so reckless about this. I probably have a bunch of cars I don't even remember where I put them. <laughs> Maybe when people do really good car things, like I had a Myers Manx that I got mm, perfect. Mm. And then a friend of mine found this four and a half liter Bentley I've been looking for for a long time. So I gave him the Manx. Because that's car karma. You want it to be positive, right? Yes. Like what Dax did for you. That's yeah. positive car karma. And you then want, somehow it came back when you put me on the list for the Ford Raptor and there I got go. it way sooner <laughs> than I really was entitled <laughs> to do. Sorry, I have to show you one thing because you just said it. This is three weeks ago. Oh, this is the really nice one. Wow, that thing's super so nice. So my friend Tom Hansen, he's 74 years old. He's my idol and I'm with him all the time. That's his that's, car. That's and he's beautiful. one of the guys I asked if is he has the dreams. Is it a four seat car? It's like I have a rear nope, seat? No, we got one so riding illegal back why is your back child there. in the back? <laughs> that's none of your business and I don't need another headline about I don't wash my kids. They drink it's not moving, by the way. The car's not moving. No. Isn't that great? You just brought up the Manx. They're totally. so cool, aren't they? Aren't they? Mine was like blue metal flakes, so the same oh, as my yeah. uh, Schwinn. Once I was in Carmel with the kids, they were like your daughter's age, and Leah called and she said, "What'd you do today?" I said, "Oh, I took the Manx down to Big Sur," and she's like, "With my children?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah," because we had three kids. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, they fit in the back fine." <laughs> yes, no seatbelt, Jim. I was like, "I know, but it doesn't go that fast." It's got a roll bar that yeah. you hang on. No roll bar. <laughs> It was like, <laughs> it was really bad. I got shamed. Yeah, yeah. There's this incredible meme on the internet I keep seeing. It's so great. It's a picture of a guy, older guy, and he's got a little girl on the gas tank of his motorcycle. No one has helmets on. He's got oh a God. leg down and he's getting sideways. And the caption says, I don't know who this man is, but I know his wife was away for the day. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. <laughs> so totally funny. true. <laughs> 
Okay, so you went to Georgetown, you went to UCLA. I don't know if we talked about the UCLA connection, but I think no. that's pretty interesting as well. I went there as well. Oh, What good. year did you graduate? 1990. I was 2000. Being on that campus, I kept pinching myself like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> it was so nice. You feel like you've entered into a movie almost, right? right? totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Students aren't it was shorts. $1,800 a year. And Wharton, where I got into, was 30000 Wharton's oh. very prestigious. And I said no to Wharton wow. and came to UCLA because I wanted to put myself to school. Yeah. And I could only really afford here. I sold my five liter Mustang. What year? Um, 88. It was brand new, but I couldn't afford it. And I got a specialized stump jumper and I rode to school and I got a job <laughs> as a janitor on Lincoln for Phil Hill's restoration shop. And Got my PhD in the car business. Oh my God. Yeah. Can I say something? Sorry. I won't say much during this. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> please. Please. But I have to say what I think a lot of, not to be gendered, women are thinking right now. Go which ahead. is when you hear about car guys, like you have an idea of a car guy. I think a lot of people are shocked to hear that you got into Wharton. Obviously, you're so smart because you couldn't get to where you are if you weren't. But I don't think people put two and two together that car guys can be brilliant. I mean, that's really bad to say. You think there's a stereotype. That's the stereotype. Well, and that's probably oh. based on like who took auto shop in high school yeah. were generally the burnouts who mm. weren't thriving in AP history. So I'm sure there's some basis. Like, I don't know why. Maybe it's like movies. I don't know why. Movies? Sure. The that. greasers were into cars, all the outcasts, the outsiders, yeah. all the roughnecks. That makes sense. But it's good to break that stereotype. Well, Tom Hansen is a lawyer who I'm yeah. referencing and yeah. Jay Leno's a mechanical genius. Yes. And yeah. Jim's pretty smart and I'm pretty <laughs> smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I like it, Malcolm. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Do you know Malcolm's a no. huge car guy? No. That's kind of a shocker, right? Yeah. I met founder Dire Straits. He's a huge car person. That makes a little sense, yeah. though. A lot Rock of musicians, they are car people. But social scientists like Malcolm Gladwell, right. that's more of a, like, 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 oh, that's cool. Business CEO. Like, you just don't imagine it, but it's good. I see it because people call me to get their Raptor R's. Uh, and they're like, uh, hey, Jim. I'm like, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> now, Dax makes perfect sense. Yes. That's why we accelerated his order immediately. <laughs> Can I brag and say what the email was? I tell the story nonstop. Oh, good. Okay. So I say to you, hey, don't want to stress out our burgeoning friendship, but can I get on the Raptor R? His response, Monica, had about 19 people on the email. Oh. And it said, let's get Dax a Raptor oh. R. And I was like, oh my God, he's unleashed the whole cavalry. And then immediately after, I don't know what the pecking order, but someone writes, perfect. His will be the first one after Tom Brady's. And I'm like, oh look at this. My. That's look what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. I don't think I've ever felt more That's important to know that so I was had joined Tom Brady on a list. That's incredible. <laughs> if you charted, Jim, your popularity, do you see it spike like when the GT was announced yeah. and then now the yes. Raptor R? Do you start getting cold called from random weird people? Yes, but, you know, with my job, there are a lot of stakeholders. So we have the UAW union negotiations right now. So uh -huh. that tends to be popular for other reasons. Since taking over the CEO, I noticed that there's more videos about me online, which my kids bring in and say, dad, you should see this one. They really hate you. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Yeah. So oh no. Ford is such an iconic company. When you lead Ford, a lot happens. 
Yeah. yeah. To me, there's something a little bit old school about what you're doing, because if you watch like the DeLorean documentary, yeah. which is great and I recommend it. So John DeLorean famously worked at General Motors. I think he invented Pontiac. the GTO, Pontiac, first unibody muscle car. So he became this really interesting figure within General Motors. He was very artistic. He had a vacation home in California, but he hung out with Johnny Carson. Is that why it's called that in Back to the Future? Well, so he then left General Motors and started his own car company called okay. the DeLorean, oh, which oh, is oh. made famous, yes, in Back, to, Back the to the Future. But he was hobnobbing with all of Hollywood royalty in the same way that currently the tech industry seems to cross-pollinate, right? Yes, makes sense. And yes. Detroit was the Silicon Valley for 40 years. If you were a genius engineer, you would go to Detroit. That's where the coolest stuff was being made. So then it fell out of favor and the 80s are rough and the, just the car industry in general from 72 till probably 90 something. It's just in a dark spiral for so long. But I see you as someone who's seemingly intentionally bridging that divide. Yes, because I believe for a company like Ford, it's very important for us to do what we naturally do well. We should stop doing things that other people do really well and we're just okay at. Uh -huh. But when it comes to Raptors and Mustangs and Ford GTs and Broncos and F-150s and Tremors and Super Duties and Transit vans, that's what we do. Well, the Ford F-150 has been the best-selling yeah. vehicle for in America years. for 46, 46 years. years. I got an argument on a vacation this summer where someone was telling me that Tesla was the top three of the top five best-selling cars in America. And I said, I think you misread that. I think what you're talking about is they did a most American parts list. I think that's what you're thinking. He's like, no, no, it was most. And I'm like, there's no way. I think the Ford F-150 sells more than the whole car company does. Look it all up. Yes, that's the case. We sold a million last year and we do that really well. I remember when I joined the company, I asked the head of engineering because they were like, you got to reimagine the product lineup. So I was like, well, I got to understand what makes these engineers tick. So I asked the head of engineering, I worked at Toyota for 25 years, what makes a Ford engineer different than the engineers I work with at Toyota? He's like, I don't know, why don't you go ask? So I spent a full day walking through the engineering labs. I went to the truck engineering safety lab and I ran into this gentleman. He's like, I'm working on this crash instrument. It looked like a child. And I said, really? But the federal government doesn't require us to crash tests with instruments or dummies that look like children. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't do this job just for passing the safety requirements for the federal government. I lost my child in a car accident. Oh she my was 13 Lord. years old. Oh my God. And I was a doctor at the Philadelphia's Children's Hospital. And I came to work here because I know I'd save more lives here than being a doctor. Get out! Wow. That's a real story. That sounds impossible. Wow. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, on my spare time, I'm building this instrument and it has a gelatin center section so I can test the G loads on the organs yeah. wow. because my daughter died of internal bleeding and we didn't know. Oh my And he goes, Lord. I just do this on my spare time because Ford's cool with it. No one knows in America where things come from, but I know. So I learned very quickly at Ford, we should get those people working on the things that they naturally do well. And don't start to make like, an affordable $15,000 subcompact car. When I was at Toyota, they do really well. But Ford is like, we do Broncos really well, yes. better than anyone. So when I took over three years ago, I was like, we're going to double down on our icons and we're going to invent some new ones like the F-150 electric, but we're going to stay loyal to our customers who already love the brand. 
and just build on that. Every auto manufacturer, well, the good ones, they have a fingerprint. They have a vibe, you right? Know. So yes. Toyota, I tell people all the time, people ask me, what's the advice you have for acting when you move to LA? And I always say, buy a Honda or a Toyota. That's my advice. You're going to drive everywhere and you're going to be broke. It's going to get great gas mileage. You don't even have to change the oil. It's going to run for 300,000 miles. That's what it is. It is reliability, both those companies. Yep. It's just simple, simple design, functional. That's not my favorite car company, but no one builds a more True. reliable car than a True. Toyota. And then you go through the different brands. Some of them are missing that personality. No they one's are. figured that out. I yes. remember years ago, someone approached me about, they were working on some branding stuff for Mitsubishi. I'm like, yeah, that's a bottom up. Like, what is Mitsubishi? They make heavy equipment, they're reliable. So when you walked into Ford, you came in in 07. Six months away from all the other companies going bankrupt. Yes. Moved yes. from Santa Monica to Detroit with my family. Oh my God. Wow. And everyone goes bankrupt in that oh. same moment. But Ford doesn't take money from the government, right? We avoided the bankruptcy. But Ford growing up, I can tell you exactly what the brand was. It's like seared into my heart. It's tough American work. Yes. And then fuck you performance out of this Mustang GT, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not a track yeah. car. It's not the Corvette. This is your stoplight to stoplight be a king car. Correct. I get the whole thing. Then, yeah, when you're coming in and around this, I think there is some trying to redefine or re-remember what Ford's fingerprint is. Yes. I really believe that we can take on Porsche with Mustang, but we are going to do it our own way. And it won't be the way that a Z06 does it, but we're going to race a Mustang at Le Mans. We're going to race a Mustang in Australia in the supercars. We're going to race a Mustang in NHRA. We're going to have a track car for people. We're going to have a car for SCCA, Pro Solo, and one for people that just go track cars on the weekend. And we want Bronco to be this other thing. And we want Raptor to be something else. And we want... F-150 and Maverick, $20,000 pickup truck that gets 42 miles per gallon on hybrid. We want to have this full lineup of pickup trucks from the entry to $110,000, electric, hybrid, gas. We want to have a commercial lineup with transit and smaller vans. We want to just build a company filled with products that are either work or passion. Stay tuned for more Armchair Experts. If you dare. Well, you had a couple things come down the pipeline from Hollywood that helped remind people what Ford is. I mean, first, you have the best history of any company, which yes. is you have Henry yes. Ford. Yes. And we're going to glaze over the fact that he's an anti-Semite. There's but, a but, couple. There's uh, <laughs> yeah, but we got to acknowledge yeah. it and then we're going to move on. But uh, the fact, you know, the assembly line, the automotive revolution, that's the history of Ford Motor My Company. My grandfather was early in hourly employee. 1918 oh, at the River Rouge. Wow. Alan Park, you start in 17. Incredible. But then you have... The 60s, and yes. you have Le Mans, and you have Ford versus Ferrari. Breakout moment. And talk about a patriotic moment for everyone, right? Did you see the movie? Monica? No, even though my boyfriend's in it. How could you have not seen it I with your know. boyfriend in it? Matt Damon. Yeah, oh he's my not my God. real boyfriend, but he's my pretend <laughs> he boyfriend. He was amazing. Mm -hmm. oh, I love and him I so raced much. a GT40. 
I was just at Le Mans a month ago with my GT40. My door flew off at 185 no, miles an hour. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> what was that experience like? So the GT40 doors, like Ken Miles did in the movie, the latching is a problem. It's like a screen door virtually, yeah. right? It's not yeah. a great mechanism. And it, ha- <laughs> and it has like this wing at the top. And Dan Gurney was too tall, so they had to like make a bubble for him on the top of the door. What happened was, it's typical. A screw came loose on the window. The window flew out the lap before. <laughs> then there was pressure inside the car. Oh. The pressure popped the door oh open. God. And when I got on the Molson straight, I'm going 180, 185. Can I just add, 185 in a 1966 car is about 235 in yeah. a Bayron. Oh my God. It's freaking fast. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, uh, it's scary. And there's cars around you. Yeah. And you're passing cars. And so I'm in the race. It's like the top three guys who were all in GT40s going for it. And my door opened and it was just enough where it flew <gasps> off. The top oh. caught the wind and it was gone. This is like a $5 million car. Yeah. I don't oh, even know wow. what the value is. Yeah. They're about five more. Yeah, I try not to tell them. I, know, I, know. I, I have some secrets too. Yeah, yeah he is when he keeps really close. So we invited you to a golden ticket event. If you can come. In Vegas. Yeah. It's hard to I get would to love and everything. To go. I just have an eight and 10 year old. Okay. If I tell my wife I'm going to Vegas for the day. You should send like a proxy for you to take like <laughs> pictures or something. You're going to want to virtually be there. Well, I'm so intrigued. I'm like, yeah. what on earth are you on leashing? It's Ooh. Mustang related, <gasps> right? There's a, a there's a prancing yeah. horse I can't on the invite. You. Yeah. But, um, oh, God. but it's going to be worth it. But Lamar was a breakout moment. Can I just tell Monica really quick yeah. the story? There was a moment where Ford was going to take on Ferrari. You'll correct me if I fuck this up, but in the 60s. And Enzo Ferrari, at least from the Ford family's perspective, kind of backed out at the 11th hour and kind of fucked them. Oh, okay. I have the contract in my office. Legal contract about this (gasps) thick, and he has a big purple pen around who runs a Formula One team. It says in Italian, Ford will run the Formula One team. It's like a big circle. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was it. So they got in a pissing contest. And Ferrari's unbeatable at Le Mans and in racing in general. They'd won five or six times in a row. Yeah, this is the life of Ferrari. They're yes. a race car company before they're a road car company. Totally. Yeah. And so the Ford family says, well, we'll see you at Le Mans. And they unleash wow. the full brunt of the engineering and development force of Ford. And they go to Le Mans and they fucking win one, two, three. Wow. And what there's an a picture story. of the three of these GT40s coming in in first, second, and third place. That's amazing. Yes. First time American car won Le Mans. And then then they brought the car back again in 06, maybe with 05. 05. Yeah, so three iterations of the GT4. There was a GT40 in the 60s. Then in 05, there was the GT. And then in 2017, the GT comes back. Yes, we brought it back in 15 as a race car first and a production car in 17 because it was the 50th anniversary. We wanted to win the race on the 50th anniversary to the day, which we did. Wow. They went and did it. We did That's it. So we had I mean, one you chance. know, you watch enough Formula One. The notion yeah. you're going to throw your hat in the ring and within the first year be dominant. That's yeah, not that's possible. Incredible. It's not possible. No, it's we kinda, not We kind of did a lot of things behind the scene to make it possible. <laughs> we put the motor in a race car two years before and drove Sibring and Le Mans, every racetrack to uh, make sure that motor was got ready. The motor right. We did everything because we knew we had one chance. So I think those events have really, really helped remind people what Ford is. I think like it is a really nice time for you to be at the helm. I see the company 
company as an underdog. Of course, which is completely ironic. Because yeah. when I grew up in Michigan in the 80s, General Motors was the biggest company in the world. They Correct. employed the most amount of people. Correct. They were Apple, for Christ's yeah. sakes. And then Ford was always neck and neck with yes. them. And this was one of my questions to you. Tesla, which you have to talk about nonstop, I'm sure. Tesla's currently valued at 12x of Ford. Last year, it was 16x of Ford. And they sold 1 million cars, and y'all sold 4 million cars. Does it frustrate you, this huge disparity between performance and stock value? Well, it is the metric I watch every day. Like this morning, I woke up and I was down like $2 billion. So it's <laughs> not been a great day today. I don't know um, how you all And do uh, that. it's a long-term metric, but the valuation of the company for myself and my performance, that's what I look at. I'm there to add long-term value. And stock market goes up and down and they're either wrong or right about us. But here's how I look at it. The EV transition is a move from an analog to a digital car. It happens to have a propulsion system that's digital, but it's much bigger than that. It's sending software to the car. It's partial self-driving. It's predictive failure of the components. There's a lot of things when you make a vehicle digital. And they were the first one to really show that future that cars don't have to depend on the economic cycle because you can send software to them and you well, get revenue when times are good or bad because people use the software. So I like the fact that someone recognizes that there's a company using technology that made people's lives better. I also believe that we can do it better than them and there'll come a day when people, investors will go, wow, I'm impressed that Ford could compete and beat Tesla at their own game. Will we get all that market cap? I don't know. I don't no. know if everyone invests in Tesla just because of the actual earning power. If they did that, their margins went from 20% down like in half in the last year. They've had to drop their prices so much. Well, can and I- and, The valuation and, and, didn't change in half. To be crude about it, so many of these companies that people are drawn to to invest in, it is more appealing to invest in a tech company than it is a manufacturing company. Yes. There's also this implied subscription model where the car is going to generate money long after it's been sold. I don't know about yeah. that. I think with the changing political landscape, you're up against some political dissonance where Ford is the company of the tough American. And I think there's a group of liberal Americans who feel like that's a Republican car. I'm just going to straight oh. up say it. I think that is a affecting some of this, perhaps. And Tesla is not. Tesla is like the Apple. Although, I mean, it's ironic. Not, well, now, exactly. Elon, yeah. Exactly. I'm not saying it's right, but I think that's the feeling. You know, what's so interesting about what you just said. You know, I'm not going to debate it because in a way I just have to deal with whatever it is. I find it so amazing, and this is on us, that people don't really understand when they spend their money on a vehicle, what happens to that money. And we have done a poor job, I believe, educating people about what that vote means to people's real life. And if you did, if you really care about other human beings, you would see the tremendous transformation of people's lives who work in our factories in the US. And I'm not saying this because of the CEO, it's just a matter of fact. We are the most American company with uh, people working in our factories. We have 60,000 people today working. It's 120 degrees today in Kansas City. They're making super duty pickup trucks at 120 degrees. And we're 20% higher than anyone else in our industry, GM second. And we are the largest exporter of vehicles 
in the country. When I take a Jimmy Fallon or a Dax or you into my factory and you meet a single mom who's got that job at Ford, makes 80 grand yeah. over time, 100 grand, healthcare yeah. that's like at 98% of the highest in the US, then you would go, I had no idea. Exactly. Why didn't I know this? Is that my bad? Or is that we just don't really care about where things come from? And it's like up to the consumer to care. I don't know. I do know that if you're German and you buy a Volkswagen, you do feel differently. They know. Yeah. They know the, the government kind of and the government. Them. Yeah. And they have apprentice programs. You know, I worked for GM for years and Opel was a division. And when we did shows with Opel, the way that the technicians were not separated from the engineers in their hotels was like unfathomable. On a GM car show, the engineer stayed at the nice hotel with the journalists, and then the technician stayed with the car preppers, me, at the Red Roof Inn, and we partied. It was fun. <laughs> Not Germany. The technicians are the heroes. Revered. Yes. And it's so respectful and cool. All of us who had been doing car shows for GM for 10 years when we did this Opal launch, we were like, well, fuck, that's where we would like to work. I feel like we're like this best known car company from a brand when you see the Ford logo, but people don't really know what's different about the company. You know, I love reinvigorating our icons or having an electric F-150 be the best selling electric pickup truck in the US. But on the other hand, I don't know how to take everyone to a factory, but when Jimmy Fallon walks through the F-150 Lightning line, we had to shut it down by the way, he was saying hello to everyone and we couldn't build trucks. Probably a couple million dollar visit. <laughs> it was very expensive, but he was like, Jim, I had no idea. You know, World War II people knew where things came from. And I, look, I worked for Toyota for 25 years. I'm not like some preachy, you yeah, know, exactly. uninformed person, kind of like my parents were to some extent. I see all the facts and I feel like we haven't told our story the well, right way. And I want to comment on the Tesla GM Ford market cap disparity. I think because I'm so into cars, Kristen owned a Tesla or leased one for three years. To me, it doesn't feel like an actual manufactured car. It feels very kit car -y, like in the fucking 80s, you'd buy a shell Brooklyn. of a car. Yeah, exactly. But I have for a long time been saying, yeah, the big three don't have the powertrain yet. But the car itself, even the suppliers from the seat manufacturers and the visors no and the dashboard, there's no comparison. It's laughable if you're into cars, the gap in the vehicle. So I've always thought, just wait till they have the powertrain. And you're seeing it with Mercedes too, I'll say. You bet this you. EQ, you're like, oh, right, that's still a Mercedes. Kristen has a Chevy Bolt. She's obsessed with it. She found out they're not making anymore. She said, should we get a backup? I mean, that's how much she fucking loves it. And the lightning is awesome. And if you get in a lightning and you drive that, I'd bet my life on that versus Cybertruck. There's no comparison. So I just think a lot of the investors got very swept up into the tech bubbleness of it all. And I think they maybe ignored what the vehicle itself was in the 120 years of building cars, what that gets you. I give Tesla a lot, but I also saw the ignorance of the leadership team and the Detroit Three towards Tesla 10 years ago. You know, non-negotiated price, online experience to buy and own, a reductive car that is so simple. By the way, people who don't like cars, they yeah, love that. Feels they want it to feel like, like a their commodity, iPhone. like a appliance or something. We're not normal. I worked at Toyota for 25 years. Most people want just to get to point A to point B really reliably. Yeah. Yeah. And I give them so much credit because to be honest, competition, personal level, professional, it always makes everything better. We are going to surprise people. 
were number two in EVs last year to Tesla, but they're a mile ahead. Well, I totally applaud. I also want to be on record applauding that he literally fast forwarded everything 10 years and forced cool? everyone's hand. Yeah. That part's incredible. Yeah. Doug Fields at Ford, he was the head of engineering at Tesla and then went to Apple and then his successor at Tesla. Alan Clark's also at Ford. And we started really tearing apart the cars, especially the ones made in Texas. It's impressive. Our wiring harness for the Mach-E was 1.6 kilometers longer. It was about 70 pounds heavier. And in the ice world, that's bad to spend that much money in a wiring harness. But in an electric car, you have to have batteries to haul around the extra weight of 70 pounds. So the batteries alone are like 70 or $80 just mm -hmm. to carry around the weight. So when you have these expensive batteries, all the math changes. You want to invest more in lightweight wiring harnesses. You want to invest more in braking systems for regen because you can minimize the battery. And if you measure everything in battery cost, you make completely different engineering decisions, right. which they did. Now we had to do that. So it did inspire us, but we didn't want to go head to head with them. That's why we did a pickup. That's why we did e-transit. That's why we did the Mach-E. We didn't want to have a reductive vehicle. We wanted a Mustang that goes zero to 60 in three seconds. We are betting on the icons that are our company, but the next cycle product is going to really surprise people because we approach the engineering so radically different than the first gen. These vehicles will look completely different than what people expect. Oh, wow. And I don't know how they'll react. I don't know how you'll react. Yeah, we'll find out shortly. A couple years. Here's an exciting thing. Ford is entering Formula One as yes. an engine manufacturer yes. in 2026. Yes. Oh. Here's some fun other overlap. Fun. I took Daniel Ricardo riding oh, dirt bikes, right? Oh, you did? So I pulled up in my Raptor R and he yep. has a last generation Raptor that's fitted. You know, it's awesome. He's got the fiberglass fender. It looks gorgeous, right? So we got both Raptors there and he goes, oh my God, I just drove that R. It's so great. And I go, where did you drive it? And he goes, oh, I was a guest in Dearborn. Okay. Then we start talking about you and I go, oh my God, isn't that guy the greatest? And mm -hmm. he goes, oh my God, I'm so in. Like I mm -hmm. spent a day with him and Blake too was like, we're so in on Jim. We just <laughs> fell in love with him. That's funny. Were you a part of that decision to get into Formula One? Yeah. Do you have anxiety? I mean, those motors, yes. be honest, yes. those yeah. motors are as, that's a 1.6 liter motor making over a thousand horsepower. It's hugely risky. Okay, great. No risk, no reward in this life. <laughs> that's and, right. You know, we really like Red Bull. We really like Adrian Newey. I mean, he's yeah. he's so skillful and Christian runs a great shop and they got great drivers. And you're right to ask that question. It's a lot of money, but more importantly, it's a lot of reputation on the line yes. because if you're like in the middle pack or the end, it's like pretty awful and it doesn't get better. And you've seen those teams, they'll throw their engine manufacturer yeah, right, under, right the under the bus. My Ford was awful today. Oh. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So when McLaren like, had the Renault win, motors and yeah. they didn't like them, boy, but they were But if we vocal. win, I'm not sure it'll be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't mention it. So in the 70s, Ford won seven world championships in Formula One. Our approach is totally different. I watched Drive to Survive very carefully. And when it reached that threshold and we start to see multicultural, younger people, women and men get into Formula One. A lot of women, yes. excitingly so, more than I've ever seen in a motorsports. Totally. I think it helps how fucking cute all the drivers oh, yeah. are, Doesn't Ricardo. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and so I called our 
head of racing and I talked to Bill Ford and I was like, this sport is popping in the United States like it never has ever in like the history 4X, of the company. I think. Yeah. And it's got a lot of upside. We have to expand what people think of Ford. Bill Ford Tough. Is that going to work in a digitally connected, very advanced looking EV? So we're coming out with all these vehicles in 25 and 26. They're really advanced. So I said, how about if we do this? Because it was interesting when we were doing the engineering for the second generation of vehicles that aren't out, but the ones we talked about, I realized that aerodynamics are going to change these cars totally. So like on an F-150, if I take a standard F-150 hybrid and I maximize the aero, as clean a design as possible, deployable flaps on the rear. Reduced drag, yeah. reduced drag. It would be 100 miles of range. For just the aero, you could yes. add an additional yes. 100 yes. miles of range. And on batteries, if I took the range and said, we're going to fix it 300, I could take out about $6,000 of cost. From the battery pack? For the pack. customer, yes. Oh, wow. For a vehicle with these huge expensive batteries, it's so important, I can't believe. So I kept asking my team, do we have the best aero people? And right. they're like, no, they're all in Formula no, his 1. his name is Adrian Newey. Yeah, <laughs> you they're don't have them. Formula 1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have better aero people than NASA or Boeing have. What does it have. mean? Amazing. Okay, so aerodynamics. Oh. So it's as you know, the, the car. Air goes over the car. Okay. The car itself weighs 900 kilos, right? It's 2,000 pounds. But when it hits 55 miles an hour, it's the reverse of an airplane wing that would create lift. It creates downforce mm. and it creates so much downforce that at 55, the car could drive completely upside down and it would stay stuck oh to the road. God. It's creating wow. more than 2,000 pounds of downforce at like 55. At 210 miles an hour, it's creating thousands and thousands of pounds of downforce, which is why they can take a right-hand turn at Silverstone at 200 miles an hour flat and the car goes dead right because it's being pushed to the oh, ground okay. so hard. And then they just shook everything up and you used to be able to get your arrow from the wing and from these other side. And it was making the air behind them really turbulent so people couldn't follow closely or they didn't have any downforce. So then they switched just two years ago. Like you got to get all your downforce from the bottom of the car, from the floor oh. pan. So just the hurdles they're clearing wow. in that sport are completely unparalleled, even in aerospace. That's crazy. Exactly. I talked to Bill. He was like, yeah, if we could find a really smart way to get in the sport, you should look into that. So I talked to Christian. He's like, but we need battery tech because we have in 26, they go to 50% electric and they need really fast discharge. Uh, so where do we have that? Drag racing. Uh -huh. We have like the best high discharge electric batteries anywhere. Wait, the drag cars are now using hybrid yeah. system? Full electric. Full electric. Wow. We have full electric drag cars now. That are running what? And they're very special in NHRA sportsmen and amateur racing in NHRA. They have a class now and they're so fast, but we've had to develop special batteries for them. That let all the yes. energy out immediately. Yeah, in like eight seconds, seven seconds, six seconds. Wow. So he's like, you know, we need that. And I was like, but I need Adrian to look at my production card. <laughs> yes, and yes. so we were like, well, this is crazy. We kind of need each other again. Yeah. Why don't we, instead of sponsoring the whole team or the car, we'll share the battery tech. Yeah. We get aero from you. And then I'm going to write a personal service contract for the drivers so that Max or Daniel or Checo are promoting the new EV cars yeah. to a great new generation who may not think of Ford and may think of yeah, Tesla first. Smart. Yeah. So that's what we did. Yeah, I think it's really so scrappy. It's not like some super huge corporate deal where we take over the engine program and it'll all be Ford engineers and Milton Keynes. No, 
No, it's a total practical relationship. Oh, this is great. Because the only sad thing about watching Formula One is we just now this year have one American driver, Logan Sargent. We have Haas as an American team, but that's not a front pack. So I've been like, yeah, Ford, let's get in there and let's win some fucking races. That's so funny you said that because Christian goes, if Ford wanted a driver, what would the driver be like? And I was like, I'd like a driver in Formula One who gets in fights. <laughs> That's a little do- dose want, of NASCAR. Yeah, I don't want to like get in fights, but I, I want them to care so much about winning. It's still like a European it sport, is. right? So yeah, yeah, pretty much rich kids. Yeah, I'd like there to be a little more flavor in there. He's like, I like that. <laughs> well, Christian wants that too. Yeah, he does. Well, he famously I mean, when Ricardo. Max- Max Isn't would fight, yeah. not that? His father was convicted of fracturing a man's skull at the go-kart track when he was a kid. There Max's? you go. Max's yeah. dad, Yost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he comes from that stock. Oh, well, it's coming up, but on Drive, I interviewed Max. Oh, you did? Yeah. I can't get talk him. To him. I'm and impressed. So people are like, well, you know, he's kind of mechanical. Yeah, but I mean, he's doing what he wants. He's driving yeah. better than an AI would. Yeah, yeah. Well, so exactly. It all pays off. I think Red Bull is kind of an irreverent company. Yes. And their marketing is very irreverent. I like that an American company is going to join with Red Bull because Red Bull is going to go to WRC for us. We're going to go to Tacoma car and race with them well let's just say they were like no we're never making commercials we're gonna spend two and a half billion dollars on motorsports and that's gonna get our beverage out there i there mean for go. you and i we're like that, yeah now i we're like talking. that company <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a smart smart company <laughs> so no commercials and all race teams <laughs> and i think that's what motorsports should be we should create digital content that's outside the norm we need to take a formula one car and drive it through our factory at the rouge and we should do things that people don't do. And you should be using me and Ricardo for this. Perfect. I'll jump Perfect. any car over anything you want. Okay. Yeah. I got it. When Let that, me go to work on that. Whenever that gets pitched to you, you need someone <laughs> to jump something over something, I'm the dude. Perfect. Well, that does bring me to my one really big umbrella question, which is obviously generationally, things have changed dramatically. Like when I was a kid, I had exclusively car posters in my room. Yes. And all of my friends had car posters. Yes. And I don't think it was just Detroit. I think very much kids of the 70s and 80s. Our shows on TV that we loved were Dukes of Hazard and Fall Guy. They were car-centric and Knight Rider. We were obsessed with cars. Everyone wanted a great car. We've been hearing for the last 15 years that younger generations would prefer to get driven in an Uber or they'd prefer their car to be self-driving. How do you foresee our overall romantic and emotional connection to cars? It seemed like it was going to go away, but I don't know if I believe that. What's your take on that? I think it's tripped on the other side of that invisible line of younger people caring a lot but it has changed a lot like my son is 15 he's on the road trip with me we're pretty much talking about cars the entire trip and he hates every car i like and i like every car he likes he's like dad you only like cars that were built before 1990 you're like totally ridiculous but he likes cars that are very outspoken that are popular in digital content. Like video games? No, like on YouTube, someone will do a review of something, a Pagani or a Koenigsegg or something that he doesn't want to buy, right? but he thinks is really interesting. So it's more of an intellectual exercise maybe and a digital thing. It's not like he expects cars to be software, but he thinks it's more digital currency than I did or you did, which yeah. is like, I want to get in and drive it. He's just as interested in like sharing a cool video about a car Interesting. than driving it. He's really into learning how to drive a stick shift. 
but he's embarrassed when it doesn't work right because someone's going to have a camera. Uh, and, right. and a lot of people would see it. Ah. And so yeah, that, never like, of that. all the degrees of freedom that we had to like learn and make mistakes, you know, a lot of that generation doesn't because they don't want to look like they don't fit in. Yes. So the pressure to fit in is so high and everything's recorded. I believe that is changing in a positive way, but it'll take a long time. And for us, we have to get used to younger people liking stuff that we don't like not because they're just younger, but because they have a more complex view of a car. They see the software, they wanna tune it with software, they wanna use it for content consumption, they wanna use a car stationary, they want a car to kind of advertise who they're about as a person. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. the accessories mean more to them. Like your truck, my son went right over to your lights. <laughs> oh, he did. Yeah. It sounds like a genius. <laughs> I just think it's like time for us to give them their own version of version it that's not of their loving parents cars. well it's, remember the old oldsmobile thing it's like it's not your, your parents, parents oldsmobile. Oldsmobile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good luck <laughs> and I, I i think that's great yeah he hates my 73 bronco i love my bronco he doesn't like it he wants something else <laughs> uh-huh he wants a three series that he can work on yeah. so what uh, that's great yeah yeah you just want him to love it yeah that's all i want your question about the emotional engagement it's there. Do you love your Mercedes? I do. And I don't even care about cars. There's only one car she's ever liked. Oh, really? What's that? The 300 Goldwing Mercedes. Oh, nice. I That's know. a good choice. Right? Timeless really choice. Pretty. Total Wolf has one, I think. He does. He does. Yeah. Yes. What a stud. What yeah. color? He's got it all. Stud. I would guess it's silver. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, yeah. same, same. With a red and green plaid interior. Oh. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Wow. What a gentleman. <laughs> what a gentleman. Well, that's comforting. And every time you think they've figured out what this generation wants and the next one's right behind it. Someone told us the other day, like Gen Z, they love ostentatiousness. We had that really like austere movement in 2008 with the oil prices and the SUV yes. hatred and all this stuff. That generation was like, I hate all that. But guess what? Now this one behind them, they're like, no, we want Bugattis and fucking Louis Vuitton and we want it all. Wow. We were on vacation this year and we had a day free in Northern Italy. It was raining. I'm like, we're going to Lamborghini, <laughs> like as you would. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, so we went to Lamborghini, and my daughter was like, these are the coolest cars, yeah. an off-road supercar in like lime green. Yeah. The Mood 2, they had a Mood 2 there? Yes. Oh, awesome. I think it just takes they loved it. having one car at some point in your life that you do like getting in or yes. you find represents you or something. Because yes. I did not have that until this. The Prius was great. It was like, yes, get me to point B reliably. That's all I care about. But then with this one, it was like, oh, this is when like- When it starts, you're like, yes. hello, personality. Yes, <laughs> it like adds to your personality. And then you start seeing it across the board in other people's cars. And then you just start opening your eyes to it a little more. Jim, another thing you would have loved is we were doing a live show in Detroit. And I said, okay, tonight we're going to Woodward and we're going to oh. watch cars. And Monica's like, what? We're going to watch cars? I go, that's right. We're going to park on the side of Woodward. We're going to sit on the trunk. Perfect. We're bring some pops and some snacks. And it was, was like, I don't understand. It was so obscurity, right? Yes. Why you were doing it, was it weird? No, I loved it. Yeah, my daughter. <laughs> we did it last weekend. My daughter's like, Dad, let's go to Woodward. I got my Celine Mustang. Oh, did a few burnouts. Yes. And there was a few cops around. My, 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 my daughter's like, you're pushing luck. Let's go pull off. We got a Custer. And you just watch Chargers and Challengers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. man, is it yeah. a high concentration. It of, is. Yeah. It is. They own it. But yeah. their Mustang's kind of come back but she looked at me she goes dad this is really fun right yes. 
Monica was like, oh my God, I, I get it. It's fun. Because when there's a culture and a community, yes. anytime, yeah. it's oh, that's fun. That's true. That's true. Even like at the Taylor Swift concert, you see everyone there for a reason. It does something to you. There you go. Well, yeah. you know minimally one thing that they love, the stranger. Yeah. You're next to a stranger, but you go, well, I know they love cars. That's why they're here. We're and that's connected. just the connective tissue yeah. you need to go like, oh, we're one of the same. The way you would identify in a religion or anything else. Like, oh, good. We both love one of the same things. I bet we can build on that. Yes. And you know, the Formula One drivers are no different. Get Checo or Max or Daniel like you did away from the Formula One thing. You know, you're just talking about cars. Yeah. Uh, but as a business leader, it hasn't been about the cars for a long time. It's about seeing people grow yeah. for me. Cool. Yeah. Well, you're doing an incredible job. Oh, I, I wanted to add one thing. Occasionally, you know, I'll post a picture. Let's just say when I got the Raptor, I post a picture of the Raptor on Instagram and I'll have people in there. What the fuck? I thought you were a Chevy guy. And I have responded to many of them going, my only loyalty is to horsepower. So right. whoever's making right. the horsepower, yeah. I also have a 700 horsepower charger. I saw and it, I, yes. You know, anyone that's and putting that 700 horsepower. Uh, SS pickup truck is pretty sweet, <laughs> oh, too. Oh, yeah. My yeah. boss had that in high school, and I used to wash it. And it's just driving it around the shop, and I get to do one burnout in it before <laughs> I washed it. And I was like, I got to have this thing one day. I did a burnout with Jimmy Fallon at M1 in Detroit. And he was like genuinely shocked. Oh, he was, that was yeah. his first. Yeah, he was like, what's going on here? What's all this smoke? Why are, why are we doing and, this? Uh, unfortunately, I blew out one of the rear tires. So the walk of shame, we had to walk back. And, yeah, I did the same thing with Jim Cramer, who's the financial wizard on uh, yes. CNBC. And I think he was just generally terrified, didn't understand the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you either get it or you don't. In fact, I live in constant fear that I'm going to lay rubber leaving a stoplight and I won't like it. I live in constant fear of like, oh, I see. when will this be over? Yeah. I've been loving this since I was 14. I don't want to be alive in a world where I don't like peeling out when I leave somewhere. Well, as long as you're on Woodward, <laughs> you're, you're home, Dax. <laughs> well, Jim, it was great having you stop by. This road trip left Silicon Valley. So this morning out of four, my son wanted to go to the Boneyard at Mojave Airport. Oh, off the so, 14. Then. Yeah, so we left Bakersfield at 4.15, and we got there at sunup, and we got to see all the Boneyard up close in person. And then I got a new software ship of our self-driving system called Blue Cruise that I drove for about an hour and a half. Meaning it was driving and you yeah. were just- oh, wow. Yeah, and it does lane change on its own now. And then oh, wow. we went to a, a wind farm in Mojave where they're using the electric F-150s to do all the repair. Oh. So my son and I went up and saw how they repair the windmills, the turbines, yeah. and how they use the vehicle. And I got to talk to the operators about what they like and what they don't and show them one pedal driving, which they had not done, and just learn about the vehicle. So the whole road trip, like as a leader, you just have to stay fresh. And I call it Gemba, but you have to go and see with your own eyes. So I'm going down to Galpin, which is our biggest dealer globally out of 10,000, and we're gonna deliver a Raptor R to The Rock uh -huh. this afternoon. Uh -huh. and then I'm will driving. you tell him I had one first? I will. will you I make will. sure you tell is him there, that? Is he gonna like hurt me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell him to come on the show. He can see his oh, He can confront me in the show. Yeah. <laughs> I have a long standing antagonizing of The Rock, which is Why? he has his own gym. It's called 
Iron Paradise and it's glorious. And he does a lot of posts from Iron Paradise. And I have below us Black Mold Paradise. Okay. Anytime I'm pumping in Black Mold, I tag him and say, you know, there's a much better place to get ripped. (laughs) Black Mold Paradise than (laughs) Iron Paradise. Oh, that's so cool. So whatever, any of these things you want to bring up to him, (laughs) A, I had a Raptor before, Black Mold Paradise (laughs) is much better than Iron Paradise. And then we're going to Barstow tonight to see another customer. And then we're going to end at our dealer show in Vegas. My son's never been to Vegas. Never been to SEMA? No. You got to take been. him to SEMA. I know. He'll freak out. That's a good idea. Because that's like to... our equivalent of when your kids to go to an autorama. It is. I love autorama. It's the best. <laughs> so I'm trying to run forward in the cab of this F-150 and test out software and talk to customers, talk to dealers, because I can get really isolated as a leader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stay fresh. You're doing the Ray Kroc thing, driving around a random McDonald's. It is. Seeing if their special sauce is up to code. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn a lot talking to people. So I'm constantly on the phone. But people are like, when is he going to get off this road trip? Yeah, their life has been made hell by this whole adventure. He's like, I did a lane change and the car behind me was going too fast and it freaked out. This software is terrible. He's like, we'll we'll OTA tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So they're not happy. But I mean. It's good. Yeah. It's good. You're in there. No, I, like I opened that. the gate to let a worker out, and I said, there's like four people out there trying to manage this road trip of yours. Sorry. My son is totally giving me a hard time. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. There's a young lad out there, yeah. and I thought, wow, Ford's hiring him young. They no, must have scouted this son, kid out he's, of us. Uh... He's just there to make fun of me. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, Jim, you're a delight. You're loved by Ricardo, which didn't surprise me. I adore you. You minimally will always receive emails from me as you release cool (laughs) new products. Can I tell you about one thing I'm building right now that's almost done? Since you said you had an 88 Mustang. So we know that's the Fox body platform. Mm -hmm. And you would know that the Fairmont and the Zephyr was also a Fox body platform. Absolutely. So I have a 1980 Mercury Zephyr station wagon. No way. Completely mint. That just got a coyote motor, a six-speed, coilover, independent rear suspension. What color? Silver. With the red interior, that bright fucking red. Oh, that totally red. Because you know I have wagons. I've got three wagons now, but that's the one. People will not see that coming. I mean, can you imagine anything more fun than a fucking Mustang station wagon? (laughs) That's what I've built, the first. That is so cool. Yeah. It's getting painted right now. I made it wide body so I could get the meats in there I wanted and all the suspension stuff. And I wanted my ride height to be So good. are you going to have a back seat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully so it's functional. like a functioning s- station wagon. With like that, that's 600 a track horsepower. Car. Yeah, total track car, monster. <laughs> 15 you inch. are going to love driving that Monica. I can't <laughs> wait. No, being a passenger. She's got to learn to drive a stick yeah. first. <laughs> I'm teaching my son stick shift. You got to learn how to drive a stick I know. shift. His sister tried to teach me actually many years ago. And I had practiced like once and I kind of could do it, but then I gave up. This has got to be the hardest place to learn how to well, do it. Exactly. Everything is on a hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the traffic's insane. Yeah. The clutch yeah. is in and out. Yeah, you have to go, to go to like a parking lot or something. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is like, you don't want to teach anyone to drive a stick in your car. In the old days, you would just rent a stick. That Avis or Hertz deal now with it's the, like the clutch is going yeah, out. It's like yeah. what, whatever you're teaching your kid yeah. on, like you gotta, he's probably doing some damage on one of your cars you he love. Is. Yeah. He is. <laughs> you smell that smell, son? Yeah, yeah. that's clutch. <laughs> you don't want to smell that. <laughs> yes. yeah. We're doing the clutch training right now. He's like, there's a police, there's a police. I'm not going that way. I'm like, you're going that way and you're figuring out how to get by a policeman and not get in trouble. That'll be your test, Monica. Oh, my God. I'll let you know when that happens. We'll send you a pic. 
All right. Well, Jim, okay. have a great rest of your trip. I'll be very sad to not be in Vegas. I blame my family for that, but I'm going to be glued to the internet so I can see what you're unveiling. Good. So great to get to meet you. People should listen to your podcast drive. They should buy Fords. We could have talked about Harleys, but we're out of time. You're also yes. on the board of Harley going through some crazy changes as well. Yes. You're at the forefront of all of it. Thanks for making time to stop by and see us. Thank you so much, Dax and Monica. I really had a great time with you. Oh, fun. good. Thank you. Thank you. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Stay tuned for the fact check so you can hear all the facts that were wrong. Oh, that sounded like a dinosaur from Jurassic Park, that burp. It went, it like, did that rumbling noise that the T-Rex sure. does. Are you familiar with that sound? That real low grumble that the T-Rex has. Oh, yeah. Haven't you seen that movie like 12 times? Jurassic World. Don't They don't do it in there? Mm -mm. They got rid of the T-Rex grumbles? Mm -hmm. okay, no, I do know what you mean. Yeah, I okay. I think. I can't do it, but that burp was perfect. I wasn't paying as much attention to the- um, You were still thinking about your Jersey Mike's order? No, no, I just wasn't paying as much attention to the dinosaurs. Ah, uh, the grumbling sound. In that movie, as yeah. I was Chris Pratt. Yeah. That's, uh, that was the draw. He's a distractor for sure. Okay. We just did some armchair anonymouses. Yeah. And they're so fun. Yeah. If anyone that's listening to this doesn't listen to Armchair Anonymous, you must. These stories are so good. They are good. Oh, and they make me nostalgic because a lot of them come from childhood, you know? Yeah, they're great. We love hearing from armchairs. Mm -hmm. and that's getting really a fun. Array of stories. No duds yet. Um. Well, this was an exciting episode because there was a pop out. What? I don't know what this one is. This is Jim. Oh, Jim Farley. Yeah, good pop out. He's Chris's cousin. They are so similar. It's really uncanny. Yeah. I certainly didn't feel it when I was a guest on his podcast, but being in 3D in real life, IRL, with oh, him. Oh, you were on Zoom? I was on Zoom for his podcast. Got it. I, I, and maybe not even video. I don't know if that's possible, but maybe. I just know that I've seen lots of photos of him. I know what he looks like. And I did his podcast, but when he was here and he was talking... It was very similar to when Dog the Bounty Hunter was talking. I thought my dad was talking a couple different times where yes. it was like just clicked into that. I was like, oh my God, that is Chris Farley. Yeah, it's pretty bonkers. I think it's weird for cousins to look that similar. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Let's see. What do we have to catch up on? Uh, I had a birthday party. You had a very fun birthday party, 2 to 7 p.m. on a Saturday. Yep. And cards. Cards magic. Oh my God. We got you a magician for your birthday. There was a sleight of hand magician. Franco. His name is Franco. Morbidelli. No. Oh, but that's a motorcycle oh, it rider is? that I love. Franco Morbidelli. Okay. His name is Franco Pascali. Pascali. That's nice. What? Well, that's Italian. Right. And he was unbelievable. That was uh, that's, the craziest sleight of hand I've ever seen. That's the best magic I've ever seen. Yes. It was un unreal. We have to tell them just about one. So one yeah. is there's there's like four different decks of cards on the table. He hands me a deck that we've been using. Nothing's really happened to it. Certainly he didn't shuffle it in a weird way. Yeah, we brought it. We brought it. Yeah. He handed it to me and I was four feet away from him. And he said, okay, you just keep those. Those are yours. This is my deck of cards. So he had a deck of cards and he said, okay, so in this game, we're going to make one card the bad guy. So what would you like to be the bad guy? 
Do you remember what I made the bad guy? Uh, no, actually. Ace of Diamonds. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. I was like, don't say spades. Okay. Okay. Don't be generic. Okay. Don't be racist. Well, yeah. Right? So I, I thought Ace of Diamonds was a bizarre pick, to be honest okay. with you. When you think bad guy. Yeah, but they're like Like Queen hierarchy. of Diamonds 2 would be, you know, like a queen and the diamonds, all elevated, whatever. I thought about it okay. a lot. So he goes, okay, the Ace of Diamonds is the bad guy. Well, there's two cops in the deck, and they are 10 of hearts and four of spades. And so I'm just going to shuffle these cards, and now I'm going to spread them out on the table. And as he spreads it out on the table, every single card is face down, except for two cards are face up. You just see the corners of them. And they are mm -hmm. 10 of hearts and the four of spades. He said, oh, there's one card in the middle of them both. What could that be? Flips it over. Ace of diamonds. They've caught the ace of diamonds. Yeah. That is already spectacular. I don't know how he did that. There was no real shuffling. All of a sudden, it was just there. Yeah. Then he said, now look in your deck. Open up your, and mine was in a closed box that it came in, that I brought. I open it up. He goes, okay, peel off the some cards. I'm rolling. I, I see the 10 of hearts. He goes, okay, what do we think is going to be next? I flip over, ace of diamonds, flip it again, four of spades. Somehow, yeah. he put those three cards together after I said what the bad guy was, yeah. and that never left my hand. I don't understand. No, it's so... It was so mind blowing that I didn't even waste one second trying to figure it out. I'm like, there's no way I can begin to figure out how on earth that just happened. No, yeah, when like the most skeptical people, Eric, I, he was so he was like, this is crazy. Well, he thought there were dark spirits being channeled. Well, which there might have to, been. He tends to lean that way yeah. towards dark spirits. There might have been. He's afraid of spirits. Well, dark ones. Yeah, but I think all spirits make him a little uncomfortable. Well, as I recall, I don't want to speak for him. You don't want to paint him into a yeah, corner. Yeah, I don't. But that guy was great. He was really incredible. I recommend if you're in Los Angeles to track down Franco Pascali. I think he performs at the Magic Castle. He says sometimes, but mostly things like this. Oh, okay. So he's he's for hire, and he's I right. very much recommend. Yeah. So uh, he came. Well, first of all, I thought at first I thought. He was someone who just stumbled in off the street because it was a surprise, but no one was saying anything. It was a closed party. It was a closed party. So to see someone you didn't party. recognize yeah. that wasn't the bartender. Right. You and were like, how did this rando get in here? Yeah. and But also it, it was the door was off the street, so somebody could have come in. Uh -huh. And it, the street it's, has some interesting. Action. There's action. Yeah. 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 So I thought that someone was just stumbling in, but then no one was doing anything, but also no one was saying like, hey, he's supposed to be here. Right. So I was like, what is going on? And then he just sits down. Right in front of you. Yep, and again, still no one's saying anything. Uh -huh. But out come the cards. Yeah, then some cards came out. Uh-huh, and then, you, cool. then it was very obvious what was happening. So, so cool. You and, were being illusioned. And shout out to Seth Green. He recommended Franco. If you need a great magician, call Seth Green. He knows all of them. Yeah. He's very dialed in. Um, so that was really fun. And then we played other games, poker, my new favorite game. Uh -huh. So that was very fun. Incredibly fun. Oh, you know, and I had been to a party the night before. Mm -hmm. And 
my friends Ben and Melissa who turned 50. And they have stayed very, very close and dialed in with all the people I was in the Groundlings with 20 years ago. Yeah. And many of them I haven't seen, some in 20 years, some in 15, 10. But I'm talking some people I love, mm -hmm. just love. Fucking my friend Jim Cashman, his wife's Michelle. Um, Matt Faxon, I hadn't seen him forever. And we just exploded in excitement when we saw each other. I, it was so delightful to know that he missed me as much as I had been missing him for the last 15 years or whatever the hell it's been. Yeah. And we just started rattling off all these stories and I kind of forgot about all that. I mean, yeah, we, we had some, some fun. We were young. Yeah. We we're early twenties. We love to drink. We love to play poker. We got out around a town and we just had so many fun stories to catch up on. It was such a delightful night. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. And what part did they block off? The bar. So the whole bar was the blocked off? The whole bar was blocked off. Wow. Yeah. The, I'm glad I didn't try to go that night. I would have been pissed. Yeah. Let me double check in my mind that that's the case. Yeah, that was the case. Yeah. Wow. And then there's the outdoor patio attached right. to the bar. I should say that it was at Cara. Yes. Which is lovely. So convenient for us that they decided to have their birthday party there. Love Cara. Mm, mm, mm. Great place. Okay, Jim. Jim. Back to Jim. So, okay, what color is Toto's going Mercedes? From what I can tell, according to the internet, mm -hmm. silver, which yeah. was Jim's guess. Mm -hmm. Timeless. James yeah. Bond. Speaking of James Bond, I looked up 10 most famous movie cars of all time. Oh, what a wonderful list for you to get because I feel like I could guess many of okay. them. Okay. It's the top 10 most famous cars from TV and movies or just movies? Uh, movie cars. Movie mm. cars only. Okay. Well, obviously the 77 Trans Am in Smoking the Bandit. Yep. What number is that? That's number three. Number Pontiac three. Pontiac Trans Am. Pontiac Trans Am. The 66 Mustang Fastback from Bullet. Ford Mustang, number seven. Does it say from Bullet? Yeah. Uh-huh. Carrie. What was that? A 57 Chevy, maybe? It's not on here. It's not. Mm -mm. Oh, my God. Aston Martin from James Bond. Goldfinger. Sure, yeah. Is that, yeah. DB7, is that what it is? DB5. DB5. God, I'm kinda, that, that wasn't bad. That's not bad. Um... Lotus Esprit James Bond from Octopussy. Spy Who Loved Me. There's an, a Lotus Esprit in uh -huh. there? Okay, yeah, there was a, a Lotus a couple times in those. Okay. Herbie the Love Bug. Oh, great guess. Yes. Nice. Good job. What Rob. number was That's that? That's five. Five. The Spy Who Loved, the Lotus Esprit is one. It's number one. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be above the Trans Am, but that's great. I love that that is. And, and he had one with a Yukon Jack on the top. No, the Union Jack. I always want to call their flag the Yukon Jack, but it's the Union Jack. Yukon potato. Yukon potato, fingerling potatoes. Mm. J.R. Simplot, the potato baron of Idaho. Wow. Et cetera. Okay. How many have we gone through so far? Okay. Uh, how you've, many have we gone? you've got number one. You've got number three. You've got number five. You've got number seven and number eight. I'm only halfway through. Well, then we're counting Rob's. I counted it. Oh, okay. So I've only gotten four. Okay. Okay. I hate to think the Fast and Furious movies are on there. Probably. Or like the Shelby from Gone in 60 Seconds. Great. Eleanor. The, yep. Mustang Shelby. No. No. 
But yes to Fast and Furious. Uh, uh, Dom's Hemi, does he have a Charger or a Challenger? His Challenger. No. Dom's Challenger. Toyota Supra. Mm, okay. Okay, uh, number four. That was number two, Fast and Furious. Three, Smoking the Bandit. The 1967 Lincoln Continental from Hit and Run? No. Mm. Sorry. That's a misfire, though. Um, the f- number four is the DeLorean DMC-12. Of course. I should have got Driving Miss Daisy car? <laughs> no. Cadillac. Um, there is a Cadillac, number oh, six. Oh, then let me guess what movie. Mm-hmm. Pink Cadillac? Clint Eastwood? No. Okay, a different Cadillac. Uh, what is it? Ghostbusters. Oh, the oh. Hearst, Cadillac Hearst. Cadillac Miller meter. So then the Blues Brothers car, is that on there? Oh, wow, no. that oh. Plymouth. You only have two left. Do you think I could get them? Are they movies you recognize? Yeah. Really? One of them is you should get. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, what, uh, what, what? Era? era? Yes. 80s. 80s, not from Cannonball Run. Hooper, another Trans Am? No. Uh, Everyone's seen this movie. It's not a car movie. Okay. It just has a very famous car in it. Goonies car? (laughs) No, like the car is a part of the movie. Yes, yes. I I feel you. Like Mm -hmm. like Back to the Future. Yes. It's not a car movie, but that's a very instrumental. So 80s with a car. I think 80s. Yeah, 80s. I give up. What is it? Ferris Bueller. Oh, the Ferrari 64 Ferrari GTO? Ferrari 250 GT California Spider. 250 GT, okay. Okay, last one. What year was it? What year? Uh, It doesn't say. Oh, okay. Um, Last one. This is a very fun list. I'm very happy you made it. Yeah, this is fun. Last one is a movie that. I loved this movie. Mm -hmm, That's a good sign. Um, Good Will Hunting. Harry Potter. Yeah, the the car the train the, in the Whomping Willow oh. <laughs> that crashes. Um, no, this is a heisty movie. Oh, Italian job, the yes. little Mini Cooper. The yes. Mini Cooper, good job. Yes, good job. Could have been the minivan from the town as well. You like Ben Affleck, the town. That's the not as big of a movie, right? These are. Big boy movies. Seth Green, ding, ding, ding. The minivan from that carpool movie with uh, Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Well, Tom Arnold, ironically, listen to this. You don't even know what a big ding, ding, ding you just did. We had the minivan from the town, the actual picture car. It had a V8 and it was rear-wheel drive. It had been built for that movie. And there was a bunch of gunshot, you know, like not gunshot, but from the blanks burning the headliner in it from that movie, that huge shootout inside of it. And Tom Arnold drove it in Hit and Run. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Clay Cullen jumped that minivan about 140 feet Wow! in Hit and Run. It was a very impressive jump. Okay. So how much did Drive to Survive increase viewership? Yeah. I've looked this up. This is hard to find. It is kind of hard. Okay. Let's see. The analysis, which looked at F1 viewership during three specific periods, found that more than 360,000 viewers who didn't view F1 in the latter part of the 2021 season watched F1 racing in 2022. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's after drive to survive. Drive to Survive. Yeah, I've seen numbers that are like suggest maybe um, a 60 plus percent. It used to be that the viewership, I only know in, in the States, the viewership was around 400,000. Now it's about a million. 
Yeah. A million people in the U.S. are watching the races. And then globally, it's just 50x that. Right. Much bigger Um, than every other country. It says averaging 946,000 viewers per race. The 2021 Formula One viewership was up a phenomenal 41% compared to the 2019 racing season and 56% compared to 2020. 41% up and 60% up. Okay, great. Okay, so I looked up. So Ferrari has 39 victories at Le Mans, including 29 class wins. That's a lot. Hell yeah. I think it's only a hundred and some years old, the race. It's almost 40% of all races they've won. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay. Tesla sold 1 million cars and Ford sold 4 million last year. That's what you said. And Tesla, Tesla sold 1.3 million. All in. And Ford, uh, 4.2. Uh-huh. In 2022. Three million more. Tesla's value. You see, this is crazy. Is $748.3 billion. Uh, Ford's value is $47.63 billion. Yeah, so like 20x. It's a lot. It's crazy. And that former Tesla market cap, I think, was a trillion. Oh, my God. At one point. I don't ever want any industry to fail, nor do I want anyone starting a company that's trying their hardest for it to fail, but. A lot of stuff happening in the electric world right now. They're calling it the the bursting of the electric bubble. Okay. It's hit China the hardest. There's been like 14 or so electric companies have gone out of the business in the last year. They have this huge stockpile of all these electric cars no one wants. Tesla's like cut their prices enormously in China to get rid of all these ones they have over there. Hmm. There's uh yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Why? A they made a bazillion of them. Okay. They forecasted there would be this demand, and apparently that demand has slowed, obviously. Some people don't like them. But, like, in California, we're going to be obligated to buy them in, in however many years, and I feel like that's most places we're, are heading in that direction, so I'm surprised. People will not like this, and I'm not saying I think this should happen, but I'm I'm predicting that will be repealed. Hmm. Everyone's forecast that we were going to be 100% electric at some point most smart people and even many world leaders are now acknowledging that's never actually going to be the case. There's going to be some mix. And there's also going to be like a complete reinvestment in the hybrid technology where you have some small gas engine and you have electric. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My next car will be electric for sure. Yeah. Um, And it should be. You drive 10 miles. You live in a warm state. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, for you, none of the challenges of electric are here. Well, I drive more when I go on vacation. You do? Where do you go to? Well, Boy, what's the farthest you drive? Palm Springs? Yeah, Let me ask you, what's the farthest you've driven for vacation? Yeah. Palm Springs, probably. Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. Palm Springs in traffic, which is four plus hours. Right. But about 130 miles, which all these cars have a range of at least 200. Yeah. You would fly anywhere beyond that. Like you wouldn't drive to Phoenix. You would fly there. You're not going to drive to Vegas. You would fly there. Oh, we drove to Vegas once. You did? Yeah. Who's we? Me and Rachel. Oh, fun. Did you have fun? Yeah. It was a while, a long time ago at this point. What'd you guys do when you got to Vegas? We gambled. Okay. What game were you playing? We played. Blackjack? A little and crap. 
craps. I always don't know if it's craps or crabs. It's craps. That's what I thought, but it sounds wrong when I'm saying well, it. Well, crap is a poop. Yeah. But crabs is a, a STD. Right. So. STI. Your poison. Pick your poison. In that case, I'd rather have poop. Poop. Yeah, because you can get rid of poop very quick. Poop. I've never had craps, shockingly. Yeah. I should have got them at some point, and I didn't. Let's see. Um, I think that's. Oh. That's the whole kit and caboodle? Sure is. Oh, my God. Jim was lovely. I really enjoyed him. He is so lovely. I wish I'd met him before, but I walked him out to the curb back to his Ford Lightning pickup truck that he's doing his road trip in. Mm -hmm. And I met his boy. Yeah. He was like 15. So sweet. I think it's so sweet that he's got his boy with him on this trip. It's nice. It's really, really It makes nice. me like him that much more. Yeah. And his dad's just yeah. a goofy dad. You know, he's like... He's, it's not like he looks at his dad and sees the CEO of Ford. Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, my dad wants to be on this fucking truck trip. <laughs> but also, I don't think he feels like a CEO of that caliber. Like, he's so chill, easy to talk to and down to earth. I mean, he's a, I think it's a, he, he's a great CEO for Ford. It's very. Yeah, like, he's a perfect fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And such a car lover. I think that's the I think. I think there's been a lot of CEOs of car companies that aren't actually nuts about cars. Right. And I think you can only do so well if you don't understand like the the fucking DNA of what the lust is. Yeah, that's true. You know, I think a lot of people are approaching these companies like they're tech companies or something. Well, and then more and more so, I guess. But yeah, yeah they're trying to sell fucking subscriptions to everything. Drives me nuts. Wait, what? A lot of these companies... They're putting in their infotainment systems all these inevitable upgrades that'll happen. And so you subscribe so that you'll get these upgrades. Oh. Tesla does them like they'll better their self-driving software and then they can beam it to your car. So it's like you have this oh, wow. endless subscription like you do to Apple and all these other, you know, that have yeah. got us in these subscription models. Yeah, their navigation too, you have to subscribe to. Yeah, there you go. For, for Tesla? Yeah. On yours? But you don't use it, right? You would just use Google? No, you Mac? can't. You have you, to use theirs. Oh, see, what do you that, mean? I think that's bogus. No, you can have use your phone. Well, yeah, you can use your phone, but you can't go through their system. You can't make the map on your you display. You can't? Even, there's no CarPlay There's no CarPlay that is compatible with oh, it. Oh, wow. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, anywho, I like my car. My, my car's back. It's FYI. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's back. It's gorgeous again. No, it's not a cheap uh, fix. fix. Well, it looks flawless. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is beautiful. Um, I got a lot of good walking in when it happened. Yeah. That was good. I yeah. haven't really walked since. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> because now it's also 100 degrees. It's quite, it's literally 100 yes. degrees today. Yeah. Too hot to walk. I get angry too because I hike three days a week yeah. in the morning. But this morning, no way. Too hot. Too hot. Dangerous. All, All right. right. Well. Love you. I love you.